This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 53. I know you love me, but do I feel loved by you? Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Im. And I'm Christina Im. On our new microphones. Yes, can you tell the setup? difference? <laughs> Smooth jam. <laughs> <laughs> we were making like jingles yesterday before, before bed. We're like... This is smooth like smooth. And then you're like, oh, it's a good thing this is not your job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't do the jingles. No, this is good. I could and probably sell my laugh, though. Somehow. Yes, well, you have been the voiceover in a video game before. So. Yes, yeah, my claim to fame, but not really claim to fame. <laughs> yes, so on, on another note, today we're going to be talking about discovering your child's love language. And why you need to know it. Mm-hmm. So what's the why behind all this? Well, I think we've talked about it before on the podcast, how revolutionary the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman has been for our marriage. So that's where it actually originally came from. He wrote that book and we'll link it to our show notes. You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 53. And it really helped us learn to love one another in the way that we need to be loved. Completely. So as we were dating and getting engaged and trying to just figure out how we best related with with one another, it was something that even before all that, I don't even know if I'd heard about the concept or even if I'd ever really thought about it. So as we began wrestling through the idea of this, I was like, okay, you know, I think I think my love language, how I like receiving love Mm -hmm. is through words of affirmation. So over the years, how have you loved me that way? Well, first of all, I guess when I had read the book before we were even dating, Mm -hmm. just for myself, I never thought about how to love others. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. at first you always it was sort of, of inward focus, yeah, of course, right? Of course. So it's like this is the way that I like to receive love and that's my primary love language is physical touch. Yeah. So I really like like even when people would play with my hair mm-hmm. or you know give me a little quick hug or a massage, like a quick one, I would just really feel appreciated and loved. Yeah. And so when we were dating and getting engaged, that's how I portrayed my love to you was through physical touch yes, so right. you know like Which hugs and kissing <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest i think like every male might think physical touch well, is their okay, the primary love thing, <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing about that is when we were uh before we were dating mm-hmm. when we were in china together for a few weeks and i remember there was another classmate a girl who would uh, regularly kind of touch your hair or right. comb your hair i, I know it kind of maybe sounds a little bit weird on air no, but it, it was, was just kind of like a friendship type of completely completely and she understood my love language where I just felt really just appreciated really I think that's what it was and so she definitely would she would just you know pat my head or like sort of just stroke my hair a yeah. little bit in a friendly way yes and I was like oh, I want to do that 
<laughs> okay, that sounds kind of creepy. But that I was like, well, hey, we're married. We're married. I liked you. It, it I liked all, you. It all ended well. <laughs> we does not have men on like a stalker list or something. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So having said all that, for me, when I was thinking, okay, what does it look like for me to receive uh, love and how I best receive love in terms of words of affirmation. I noticed that about myself because I love cards or I loved emails or the times where you would write me things or create me things. And, and I know that's a gift, but it was, it was the words. It was really the words that stood out to me a lot. Completely. And by learning that your primary love language, even though you appreciate it, obviously hugs and kisses, but your primary love language was words of affirmation, I could really take the time to do those things for you to show that I appreciated you. I mean, honestly, words of affirmation, like writing letters and stuff, mm -hmm. I have never really enjoyed doing that sort of a stretch for me. I'm the kind of person like the kid who would find a Hallmark card and like copy it out <laughs> for my parents. <laughs> like I would make the card, yeah. but I would copy out the message and then like, here you go. Mom Which is Dad. interesting because even this past Valentine's right this last week, we both wrote each other cards mm -hmm. And I mean, that's that's kind of interesting because I really love the card that card that you gave me. Right. But I guess maybe you didn't think of it the same way that I would have thought of it. What do you mean? Right. Because your love language receiving is not words of affirmation. No, it's, it's not. But I still appreciate that you would say all those things. And, you know, it's not like I'm a cold hearted <laughs> person. <laughs> like, don't say anything to me. Just my touch Valentine's my hair. My Valentine's card to you is my body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, it's touch. So, <laughs> all right then. Okay, oh, so I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> dot dot dot. So to go back to what we were talking about, it really has made a huge difference in our marriage, mm -hmm. even in our own lives. I know Daniel, when there was a time where you went through a really difficult time, uh, through you know losing our jobs and whatnot. And you had a stack of letters of encouragement that people oh, you're so right. had written you beforehand. Mm. And so when you were feeling really down, you would go through and you would read those letters. You're right. And, and that was when we came back from Korea. And even then, as we were walking through just questioning what had happened and trying to debrief and figure that all out. Facebook messages from people in Montreal Completely. and our friends and, and even just having Skype calls with our friends. I mean, those moments, those words meant so much. I mean, my hope wasn't in what other people said, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? My hope is what was in we, us knowing that Jesus was with us and that he was going to be guiding us and walking us through. And, and there, I mean, it's too long of a story to, to talk about in that way, but receiving words of affirmation from other people did definitely guide us and help us during that time. And heal too. Yeah, it really did. Mm -hmm. So speaking of healing, the book actually really helped me reflect on understanding my childhood. So a quick background is that my dad, um, his parents loved him in a very interesting way. I don't really know how mm. to say it that way. Um, they were just didn't really show him love. And in some ways, just he didn't really feel loved and feel accepted. And so when you grow up in that kind of childhood and then you have children, your way of showing love may be in a way that you're modeling from your parents, which if they didn't do a good job, then you would struggle in that way. 
And so my dad was never really a huggy, typey kind of person, you know, and he wouldn't really necessarily spend time with me, not in the fact that he didn't want to spend time with me. They just worked like 90 hours a week and all of that. And so looking back on my childhood, I never really even heard I love you and all of that. He doesn't really show his love in that way. But when I realized through this book, the fact that he always gave me gifts he really really would you know take me out to a bookstore and be like hey pick out you know a a cassette tape we're dating ourselves now or stickers or whatnot and he would just or he would I remember one time coming back as a teenager and he had gone out and bought me like a bunch of jeans and clothes that I had wanted and just put them in my room and Mm, left them there and so when I realized like oh he's showing his love for me through gifts then I could look back with that lens and be like, man, he really does love me because I just see every time where this is how he was expressing his love for me. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's maturity right there, right? There's at, at, at the one level, yes, we should all know how we best receive love. Mm-hmm. And as spouses, and I mean, we should strive to love the other person in that way. However, we should also remember uh, uh, how our spouses receive love, right? So when you think about it in that way, it's like, okay, I know, I know, Christina, that you love being loved via touch. Mm-hmm. But you knowing that I like receiving love via words, you understand how important it is for me to give you words yes. and to share, right? So I know it sounded a little bit confusing. I was like, am I saying it the right way? <laughs> so even even for my mom, for example, I mean, I know for my mom, the way that she loves is through gifts and it's through service, mm-hmm. right? And the way that my dad loves, um, I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty similar in that way too. I would it's, say so. It's interesting to think though how our cultural upbringings affect all that. Even the idea of helicopter parenting or lawnmower parenting, all, all that stuff, how that affects the way that we love and show love. I think that's good to be aware of. But, to have the context. Yeah, to have the context, but then say, okay, how do I best receive love? How do I best give love? And how does that then relate to our children? Right. So it's important to learn how to say I love you to our kids, mm-hmm. really, obviously. But also in terms of that, it's important to learn how to say I love you in a way that our children can understand. Yeah. So they don't, yeah. they're not going to go out and probably read this book tomorrow and be like, okay, so this is the way I receive love. This is the way I give love. And they're probably not even old enough for it to have been set in. Exactly. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But we need to really be able to communicate our love in a way that our children actually feel loved. Mm. We want to move it from the head knowledge of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear mommy and daddy say, I love you so much to a heart knowledge of, oh, no, I actually deeply feel loved by my mom and my dad. And that's why it's so important to know what our child's love language is. Yeah. So one of the things that Dr. Gary Chapman says in the book, uh, he says, in raising children, everything depends on the love relationship between the parent and the child. Nothing works well if a child's love needs are not met. Only the child who feels genuinely loved and cared for can do her best. You may truly love your child, but unless she feels it, unless you speak the love language that communicates to her your love, she will not feel loved. Ugh. 
Doesn't that kind of make you stop and think and be like, oh, how was I loving my child? Was I loving it through the through the way that I receive love? Or is it really, am I looking in the lens of how can I love you best? Completely. So Dr. Trotman also uses the analogy of an emotional tank. I love this picture. So by speaking our child's love language, we can fill his emotional tank with love. So think about it as like a car. Mm. If it's running empty. Oh, I like that. Yes. So if their emotional tank is running empty, that means that they won't have a lot of emotional strength to fuel him or her through the challenging moments and days of childhood. Especially we're thinking like, think about how our teen years were. Mm. It's like up and down. Someone says this, someone looks at this like this, someone doesn't do this. It's really hard to be able to have that emotional strength to walk through it. So just like a car, if you run it too long, tank empties, it's like that, that we need to continually fill our child's emotional love tank by loving them through their primary love language. That's so good. That's so good. So for the rest of this episode, and in fact, this is going to be a two-part episode, uh, we are going to be walking through each of the love languages. We're going to be describing it and helping you discover if this is your child's predominant love language. So today we're going to be working through physical touch, words of affirmation, and quality time. And next week we're going to be covering the rest of the love languages. Right. And also how to help you discover what your child's love language is. Because there are quizzes out there, which we will include in the show notes, but a lot of time, especially if the kids are younger and they can't do the quiz themselves, then it's sort of um, a day-by-day process of yeah. understanding and processing it with them. For sure. For sure. So before we get into the first one, physical touch, let's just walk through a few points of clarification. All right. So the first one is if your child is under the age of four, and this is pretty revolutionary for me to think through and for us to really debrief about all this. Yes, especially since we have a four-year-old yeah. in our house. So if they're under the age of four, you should be speaking all five love languages. Right. So your child is going through a huge developmental stage in their personality. You think of it from newborn to age four, mm-hmm. those 48 months, they're changing so rapidly. And also how they see the world and interpret the world is still growing. So we should show them all five that they would be able to see the world through all five lenses of love. And also the fact that they may not be able to distinguish between one or the other really like, oh yeah, I receive love this way. I am okay with this one. So it's important to show all five to them. Hmm. What about for those who have teenagers? Well, interesting enough, I like how Dr. Gary Chapman also makes this distinction that it's important to speak all five love languages to our teens as well because they need to know all five to grow and to learn how to show love to others, especially you think as they're growing up their potential future spouse. Hmm. So your child will crave one more than the other because they will have a primary dominant love language and that's okay. We can still definitely meet that love language, but we need to ensure to include the other four as well in the day-to-day life. So if I hear you correctly, under the age of four, show all five. When they get into the teenage years, you can also show all five because they need to learn and grow and all that. Yes. 
But in between those years, we hone in and we focus in on one over the others. Well, I think all five definitely, I mean, that will happen naturally, especially if the parent and the child don't share the same one. But we will definitely show one more predominantly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. Now, the other thing to understand is that the love languages can change. We will get to that a little bit more later. And that your giving and receiving love language, as we've talked about so far, can be different, but not always. Yes. And I think especially when we're trying to discover what our child's love language is, a good place to start is to look at the way that they show love. Could that might be the way that they're really wanting to receive love as well? Yeah, because I don't think we talked about this too much at the beginning. I receive love via words of affirmation. Yes. But the way that I give love is different, right? And the same goes for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I receive love through touch, but I give love through spending time with people. Yeah, completely. Another point to stress is that just because you discover your child's love language and you use it, it doesn't mean that everything in your child's life or your life is going to be problem free. <laughs> yeah i wish right so this exactly this is not a silver bullet this is not like okay i'm gonna put all my eggs in this basket i'm gonna love this child in this one way and call it a year (laughs) right Mm. so there will definitely still be setbacks and misunderstandings and miscommunication um, but we can be assured that this does mean that our child will know that we love him or her and that will bring security and hope, which I think is a really good foundation in terms of facing hard times. Yeah, there's grace. Amen. <laughs> right? Thank you. Going for back grace. to that episode, yes. right? There's grace. So we often talk about one of the main tasks that we have as parents, right? I mean, that, that main task being that we need to raise mature adults who are capable of functioning and flourishing in the world. Right. I mean, it's not a success to be like, oh, you know, my kids are still living at home and they can't survive without me. <laughs> right? And they're 25. They're still attached they're to my years old. Yeah. <laughs> visa card. Like, that is not a good idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, so as a result, one of the marks of a mature adult is the ability also to give and receive appreciation through all love languages right through all five love languages and and it's interesting to think about maturity in this way it's interesting to think about raising your kids and and raising them to become adults by also thinking about the love languages that emotional side Mm -hmm. of it all right a lot of times we focus on the iq side right or we focus on getting them ready for university or, or getting them ready for a job or getting them a car or this or that you know just the more more the physical tangible side things yeah, the tangible too, things right. but when you think about it who is more successful someone who has a higher iq or eq i mean studies show <laughs> it's it's a lot of the eq it it's is. the emotional intelligence that really help people because I think we all know those people who are really, really smart, who are really intelligent, but the things that come out of their mouth sometimes, you're like, bless your heart. (laughs) I really don't think you meant it that way, (laughs) but that was really mean or that was really awful or yeah, and that can can get them in trouble. Yeah. And it can stifle you in your career trajectory, In in relationships and so many aspects of life. So Having said all that, if you are a parent, understanding these five and helping your kids all grow in the five are going to is going to help uh, them become adults. All right. So now that we're done with all the parameters, let's get into the first love language. All right. 
physical touch. My favorite. Maybe yours too. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we're nope. talking about yeah. kids. <laughs> Awkward. Okay, okay, okay. Physical touch. So when a child knows that she's loved, right? When a child knows that you are loved because of the touch that you receive. So think about it. As a child, when you give them a tender hug, if their love language is a physical touch, then they will feel like uh, they, they will, they will, I mean, it will shout love to them when you give them a tender hug. It won't just be like, oh, thanks, mom. It'll no, be like, oh, yeah, you I can't, love you, me. you see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. So, the, one of the most common ways to show this are hugs and kisses but there are also some other uh some other less apparent ways to do that as well right yeah i would think even one of our children her love language is physical touch and we'll talk a little bit more about this but she constantly asks us if she can sit on our laps yeah and when we read as a family, she is the one who wants to like really squish close beside us or different things like that to even just put her hand on my knee and mm. things like that. So this is this was actually pretty interesting for us to have all of this conversation, right? Because for it was funny, she would ask to come on our laps occasionally during eating and especially for me i mean we all she sits right beside me and she just asked to come on my lap when we're eating and I'm like, no. I don't want you to come on my lap. I'm eating. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, eating. If you like, don't know anything about Daniel, he really enjoys the act of eating. Yes. So don't get in the way. Yeah, of and that. plus, it's like, how does that make sense? I am eating. So if you're going to sit on my lap, you're <laughs> gonna, I'm going to eat around you or the food's going to get on you. I was like, no, child, sit on your own seat. You can get on my lap after. But she wouldn't ask to go on my lap later on. Right. She was like, oh, lost opportunity. Yeah. Okay. And every single time she would ask to do it, it was just super inconvenient for me. <laughs> or I was like, uh, no, I'm working. Or no, it's like, child, do you not understand the circumstance that is going on? So every time she would ask, I would just say no. And then as we were thinking through the love language, and we were like, oh, my goodness. I think her love language is physical touch. Right. So has she been feeling rejected this yeah. entire time? Right. And that's something that we need to mention too, is that sometimes there won't be direct signs of this is my child's love language or mm. this is what I need. And it may become in indirect ways, like asking to sit on your lap or things like that. So when did we first realize this then? Well, we actually thought that her love language was different. Mm. I completely thought that it was quality time. And so I didn't really think it was touch because she had her Duffy, which she's had since she's been three days old. And that's kind of all she needed. Yeah. Like I remember she had her finger closed on a door. <laughs> that's right. Oh, it, I mean, she yes. came up, she was at a friend's house, we were at a party and the back door closed on her door and all I hear is this wailing and screaming and everybody yeah. comes running upstairs and she's holding her finger. Man, I still remember And the that. way oh. that it looked, I honestly thought that her finger got chopped off. Yeah. Like I was about to puke. And so she was obviously in pain and we were trying to, and one of our friends is a nurse. So she was going through all these things like, is it broken? Is it, you know, kind of checking that stuff. And then all she could ask for, our child could ask for was, please go home and get my bunny. Please mm. go home and get my bunny. And we're like, yeah. this is going to make it better. But we did. We got yeah. her bunny and she calmed down right away. 
So because we weren't giving her touch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So it was so we definitely thought that was and Dr. Gary Chapman does talk about how love languages can change as mm. the kids get older. So I don't know if it was something like that, but we just never thought it was. So when we decided to try it, we're like, well, let's try physical touch. So because one of the things he says is kids who have physical touch mm -hmm. uh, will have stuffies or yes. stuff like that. So so we were like, OK, well, let's express love to her. So when I came home from work, I would hug her. Yeah. Right. And it's not that I didn't hug him. I mean, I always hug and kiss the kids when I get home, but it was just more of an extra. I would hold her. Or I would lift her up or, or like, I would swing her around. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then before school, we would give him extra like hug and a kiss. Mm -hmm. And when she would ask to sit on our laps, no matter what we were doing, we'd say, yeah, yeah, come sit for yeah, a little even bit. Even if it was a short time. Exactly. Or even ask her to be like, hey, come sit on the couch yes. while I'm reading and you're reading and sort of have that time. Uh -huh. And the big thing that I saw was that so there was a tornado warning and we had that time where it's like, okay, grab all your stuff that you want to put. We have a downstairs closet and that's our safe place. Grab your stuff that you want to put in there because we might be for like 30, 45 for minutes, sure. yeah. whatnot. And so our eldest daughter ran to go get her stuffy and her blankie, which I mean, she's not really attached to, but this is just something she wanted. And so she grabbed well, that. Because her stuffy and her blankie are actually... One of my old stuffies, and yes. it's my childhood blanket. Yes, and it yeah. was a gift from you. Yes. But we'll get yeah, into yeah. that after. <laughs> and so I asked our other child, I'm like, hey, do you want to go get your bunny? And she looked at me and she's like, no, I'm okay. And she went into the closet. Yeah, we and like, I was like, what? what? How does she? She has been inseparable with that bunny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like we would pray over that bunny that it would not get lost because we don't have a replacement. Yeah. And so all that to say, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think her emotional love tank was like maybe running dry. Yeah. And she needed that bunny to touch her. And now that she, we're really paying attention to and being very aware of that, it has definitely it's changed true. the dynamic she doesn't of that. Even during the day, like she just oftentimes it would be her bunny would be here or she'd put it in a safe right. place and then she'd go to school and come back and grab it. And she did. Her bunny never leaves her bed anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been revolutionary, like I said. And so we talked about it a little bit, Daniel, that you're saying like even picking your child up and swinging them around. Yeah, and piggybacks, so, yeah. combing their hair, wrestling, cuddling all of that, while reading. All yeah. of that is can be put into the physical touch aspect. And I think that's important to mention as well because as kids get into teens, mm -hmm. sometimes the whole like they don't necessarily want you to hug and kiss them, especially in front of their friends. I remember that. I was like when my mom would try to give me a hug in front of my friends, I'd be like, stop it, mom. You you're know, right. like you're embarrassing me mm -hmm. or whatnot. So, but if that's your child's emotional love language, you might have to try to find different ways to express that to be able to fill their emotion. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. 
Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, so talking about that preteen, teenage time, especially if you think about the relationship between fathers and the girls, mm-hmm. right? And even as our girls are continuing to get older and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, looks like I'm growing up, and you know, in all the different ways that that happens for little girls. Yes, you're scratching yeah. your head. Yeah. Right. So even with that, it's like, I think if you're a dad, you need to really make sure, obviously appropriate touch, but you need to make sure if your child's love language is touch, especially, but even if it's not, you need to find ways to embrace them, to hug them to even play around, right? And and joke around and and do that so that they know part of their love tank is mm-hmm, filled and mm-hmm. gets filled. Right. Dr. Chapman says in his book that unlike boys, the importance of being assured of unconditional love increases for girls. And it seems to reach a pinnacle point at about 11 years old. Hmm. And so how many, think about it, even in your own relationship with your dad, or you can see that through your sister's, it's kind of at that 11, 12-year-old, that preteen stage where fathers kind of get awkward yeah, a little bit yeah, with their daughters totally. and are like, they don't know, like, should I still be hugging mm-hmm. my child? Will that, you know, feel uncomfortable? Will that look uncomfortable? All of that. And so I think sometimes instead of thinking about it and drawing closer, perhaps dads will actually retract. Yeah, but that's the time when it's maybe the most important for for girls to exactly to receive that from exactly and so it's crucial that girls who are turning into women that they feel valuable as a female and know that they are led for who they are and not for what they give or don't give yeah completely Now, before we move on to the words of affirmation, a few out-of-the-box ways to show physical touch, right? I really liked this one, the idea of a group hug, right? Just occasionally yell, group hug! Yes, exactly. (laughs) So if you're even feeling awkward about hugging your 15-year-old daughter because Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily something that you have kind of continued to do. Maybe you stopped when she was like eight or nine. Mm -hmm. That would be a way to get everybody together and just to give a quick squeeze. Yeah, completely. Another way would be purchasing a gift for a child that's touch-oriented. Right, like a soft pillow, a blanket. Um, all those. What are those things? You ever seen those mermaid scales that are oh, big right yeah, now? Yeah, like yeah, you'll yeah. have them on shirts and pillows and blankets. I actually saw pants at Target like that that were all scales. I was that's like, crazy. whoa, that's. Yeah. I don't even know how that's comfortable. Uh, yeah, and you probably have random people coming <laughs> yeah, up and touching your legs. That. Yeah. No, I do not buy that, that one for your girls. Yeah. <laughs> no boy. <laughs> Get Take your, your hands, hands off. <laughs> Exactly. So, but even think of that, like those would be maybe some good ideas, like out of the box ideas. Another way would be to play games together Mm -hmm. and sports that require physical touch. Yeah. So like even I'm thinking like basketball or soccer or touch football kind of thing like that. And that would be fun. It would be a way to spend time together, but also for your child or children that really crave that physical touch that can be met that way as well. Yeah. And even during family prayer time, you could be holding hands as well. Right. So those are some great ways. And and hopefully as we've been talking through physical touch, you yourself, uh, I I hope you're thinking through, Okay, is this one of my love languages that I give or receive and also for your children as well? 
All right. So the next one is words of affirmation. So I think we all know in communication, words are powerful, especially when it comes to love. So it's words of praise, affirmation, affection, encouragement. They can all tell our children that we care for them. Mm -hmm. So, but some children feel the greatest sense of love when we express words of affirmation that really affirm who they are. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about it, while constantly telling your children, I love you, I mean, that that is a good thing and we should be doing that. Yes. Uh, words of affirmation don't always need to be expressed just with words. I love that to think about it because there's some people who really are very natural about talking and speaking and expressing that and other people who may feel very shy about that or are just maybe a little bit more reserved or they don't talk as often. So what are some of those ways to give words of affirmation but not through words? (laughs) Well I think even when you think about it with babies think about when you brought your newborn home You're telling them, obviously, that you love them and you care for them, but they don't understand those words. It's just too much of of an out there thing for them to understand. Mm -hmm. But what they can receive and process is the tone of voice. So if you're saying, I love you, baby, like they always say that your voice goes higher Mm -hmm. and your eyes get wide and you're usually smiling and they can sense that they're being cared for and they just even have that emotional warmth. Yeah, completely. And and when you think about it, babies and younger children may not fully understand what we mean when we say I love you. But what they can do is they can begin associating those words with affectionate feelings. Right. Which means that there can be a combination of words and physical closeness for them to see, feel and understand uh, the affection toward that. But as children get older, uh, we tend to give words of affirmation through praise as well. Right. Yeah, so like, it's not always just, yeah, you it's not it. just, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, like good job. I love you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. It's a, yeah. You can just give it through other ways like that. Yes. I think there is a little bit of a word of caution there too. Mm. So while praise and affection really do seem to go hand in hand, um, there is a difference. So affection and love mean expressing appreciation for the very being of your child of just who they are because you love them. But while praise can tend to focus on what they have done or accomplished. So while it's okay to do both as a parent, I think we all do. We just need to be aware that if we're giving more praise, Mm -hmm. the fact that we're always congratulating them or saying, I'm proud of you, I love you because you've done this versus just the way of for who they are, they might start to interpret it as like, oh, I need to do this to earn my parents' love. Especially for the kids who have their primary love language is words of affirmation. Yeah. So what's interesting, and and we probably don't have enough time for me to get into this, but as I'm wrapping up my book, I've been doing some research on the imposter syndrome. And the imposter syndrome is that whole idea that you're not good enough, that there's nothing that you can, that that's, you're going to find, people are going to find out eventually that you're, you're not who you really say you are. Yeah, exactly. You're a fake. So that's that idea. But here's the fascinating thing. The other way is if you as a child received affirmation and love constantly from your parents. Okay. No, even if, even if you didn't think you deserved it, that could actually cause you to doubt your perception of yourself and your parents' perception of yourself because you know yourself that, Hey, I shouldn't be getting praise for this. 
as you get older. Like it wasn't really that yeah, great of an art project. You, yeah. And if, and if that's how you're <laughs> saying, you know, if you're being so enthusiastic there, what does it mean for here? So especially for those of you who have words of affirmation as, as the way that you give love, mm-hmm. you just need to be aware of what, what Christina was talking about. Yes. You can't just congratulate them no matter what. Or you can't just give words of affirmation no matter what. Yeah, there does need to be a, oh, because, or, and it's not just based on what they do, but it's for who they are. And, right. and there's just a lot of that that we just need to be aware of in light of the, the later on consequences that that can arise. Exactly. And so we need to be aware of how we say I love you. And that a lot of times I love you should just stand alone. Mm -hmm. It's not I love you. Oh, will you please open the door for me? Or I love you. (laughs) Can you please empty up the dishwasher? Yeah, no, that's very manipulative. Oh, completely, Mm -hmm. completely. And there's no I love you, but... Yeah. I love you, but I'm really disappointed in you right now. Like mm. what? That If you really think about that, stop and think about that right now. I'm guilty of saying that too. Yeah. And yeah, just looking too. at that, I mean like, but then that negates what you, that but yeah. always negates. Yeah. Say yes. what you need to say. Yes. But then let it sit, let it resolve and then say, oh, but you know, you know how much I love you. Exactly. So the I love you should never be diluted with conditional statements or requests. We aren't bribing our children with our love. Mm -hmm. And I know if we can really think about it, there are times we can think about our childhood where we have a lot of that buts. We have a lot of the please, can you do I love you, please, whatever. If that's how your childhood was... We get it, but that's not something that you have to carry on to your children. Yeah, completely. So when you think about it, um, words of affirmation, what are some unique ways to do that, right? One way is publicly when you're talking to other people that you can talk positively about your family, right? Talk positively about your kids, whether they're there or not. Right. You never want to speak negatively about them at all. And probably there are those times where you might think they're not listening, but they are but actually they are, listening. Yes. I mean, who knows? Our kids might be outside of these closed doors, <laughs> sitting on the stairs, <laughs> listening to this when they should be sleeping. Yes, you never know. <laughs> so, yes, definitely be speaking well of them in earshot and out of earshot as well. Because sometimes that indirect way of praising them and speaking affirmation on them sometimes actually means uh, it, it can mean more or it gives it a different angle, right? Than saying it to them directly. Yes. Another way of doing it is to create a special name of affection for your child. That is really only between you two or between your family. So I think it was really cute. I know I have that for with my family. Hmm. And thinking, you know, maybe if your teens don't necessarily want you to call them by their pet name or their, yeah. or their name of affection, you can maybe think of an emoji yeah, that you use right. together or <laughs> even a gift that you kind of like that theme of, oh, all our gifts have camels in it or something who knows right <laughs> this is true. Do something no that's great <laughs> that, that works well for your family that's so good that's so good so the next one is quality time now if your kid has quality time as the way that they receive love this means that they feel loved when you are giving them focused and undivided attention so this is not just about spending time with them or being beside them it's that idea of focused time together. Yes, because for a child with their primary love language as quality time, 
by you spending time with them, it's really conveying the message that they are important, that you really, really enjoy spending time with them and being with them. It can really help your child feel like they are the most important person in the world. And anyone, think about it, anyone feels like they are the most important person in the world, that definitely feels good. And that is going to feel your emotional love tank. Completely. I'm not going to lie. This one is a little bit challenging for me Mm. at this time of my life because we have one child still at home who for the majority of the time is not in school yet. And I'm working like 30, 35 hours at home a week. And so I need to have things done. Yeah. And I'm not always going to be able to do it at night. And so this child always comes and begs me to come and play like he'll bring his little cars beside my laptop and he's like mommy mommy can you play with me can you play with me can you watch me or all of that and really he's asking for that quality time but how am I supposed to meet all of that at the same time of meeting deadlines completely so I love what Dr. Gary Chapman says in his book of recommendations, even for my issue, is that if I can reframe it in the fact that I will be able to start off, you know, let's say I need to get two hours of work done. So I'll start off by giving him 15 minutes of my undivided attention. So I'm getting down, I'm playing cars, I'm making dinosaur roars, we're, you know, doing puzzles together and then saying, okay, oh, hey, That's great. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I need to go and do work now for the next, you know, hour and a half or whatnot. Our child's ability to go off and play by himself because his emotional love tank is filled has made a huge difference. Yeah, you're so right. Even today when we got home, I mean, we were with our kids all day today. And when we got home, Makarios was like, oh, can we play baseball together? Can we play baseball together? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I haven't vacuumed our house in a while. I need to vacuum our house. And I was just like, no, I just want to get it done. And because we're going to do a family movie night. And and he just kept on asking, can we play? Can we play? Can we play? So I was like, "Okay, let's play. And we played for about 10 minutes together. And... I started vacuuming and he didn't ask to play again. Like he wasn't like waiting for me to finish vacuuming. Yeah. His emotional love tank was filled. Yeah, So he went off and played by himself or he could find something (laughs) to do with his sisters. So I think it's really important to think about too, as children who have their primary love language of quality time, Mm -hmm. if they're not receiving that, they won't necessarily withdraw. What they might do is do things to get negative attention. Oh, that's so true. Because negative attention is better than no attention in their minds. That's so true. So they may act out. You think about it even if you have a new baby that came into your home and all of a sudden your loving, you know, four or five-year-old is starting to draw on the walls, is starting to like knock down plants, is just kicking and screaming and saying all these mean things that you've never heard him or her say before. It might be because their emotional love tank is feeling a little bit low and that they're really craving attention, but they don't know how to say that. Yeah. So that's where it's super helpful to think, okay, what's a, how can I spend time with this child, with my child for maybe 10 minutes, really focused and undivided attention. And we'd encourage you to, to try that, whether you think your child's love language is quality time or not, to just even try doing that moments throughout the day as well. I mean, even for our children, I know as our kids are getting older and there's extracurriculars and there's just, I mean, just homework. Yeah, everything is just busier. 
I used to take our girls out on dates more often, but I just haven't this past year. But I know they want to spend time with me. So I've been trying to find moments, five, 10, 15 minutes here or there to play with each of our kids individually. And it's been neat to see how they've reacted to all that. And I don't think all of their love languages are quality time. No. Yet they've all really um, positively responded to that. Yes. And that's the thing, like we had said before, that every person will respond well to every love language Mm -hmm. because they will feel loved. But if it's the primary one, it's shouting love to them. So one of my favorite ways of spending quality time with our kids is picking a book to read together during snack time after school. Yeah. We have picked out the book by Bob Goff. We'll put it in our show notes. It's a kid's version of Everybody Does, and we read two chapters about it, and it's just quick. Like, I think it's like six or seven pages, and they have just really, really enjoyed spending that time together. So one of my psychologist friends actually used to work with families that had teenagers that they just were not jiving. A lot of them had issues, maybe even with this negative behavior, yeah, trying to okay. spend time together or whatnot, but not knowing how. And so that was one of her main suggestions was, hey, just pick a book that y'all will be interested in reading together and read a chapter together out loud. Mm. Obviously, your team knows how to read by themselves and you know how to as well. But it's just a simple, cost effective way to spend time with one another. Yeah, that's such a good idea. So this week, I mean, think about it. Maybe there's a way that you could even learn how to cook together. Right. As an out of the box way to 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 show love via quality mm-hmm. time. Right. Cooking together, telling stories. Oh, we love to do that around our dinner table. Yeah. One of the things we've recently done is to finish each other's stories or to have, you know, everyone says a word at a time or a couple words and we just build on each other's stories. And it's just been so cool to see the way that the kids have responded and have engaged to to that kind of quality time with one another. Completely. And even the fact, the simple thing of being able to put down your phone and to make eye contact with your child, no matter what age, as they are talking to you, that will make a huge difference as well. Because I think, and I'm guilty of it too, that sometimes our kids are talking to us and we're, you know, needing to send a text or just even scrolling just to find something or just to have fun on our phones and how that maybe communicates to them in a way like you're not as important. Yeah. And I don't want that to be normal. No. And I don't no. want them to think that, oh, I, that is okay to do that right. when I get my phone later on. Guys, they do what we model yes yes completely so we need to be aware of what we are doing and what we're saying because we say it a lot a lot more is caught than taught yeah in parenting Mm -hmm. so if this was helpful for you i know the episode is a little bit longer than normal but I mean, this is why it's a two-part series. Because <laughs> there's more. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much. And, and I think it's good for all of us to just sit down and reflect and think through, okay, all right, so what? how do, how do I give love? How do I receive love? How do my kids give and receive love? To, to think through that, but also to think, okay, but what are ways to show love in each and every one of these ways to our kids? Right. So in episode 54, we are going to be talking about the last two 
love languages and also to give you ideas about how to discover your child's love language. Yeah. So if you haven't yet subscribed, we'd appreciate if you do that. That way the episodes come free and right away to your phone or to your device. And also if there's someone that you would like to share this with, if there's someone that you're like, oh, you know, I think this person really needs to think through this or I mean, it would be great to have a conversation with my friend over coffee or your spouse (laughs) let's you know share the episode with them have a conversation with them and thanks again for tuning in be sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 53 for all the resources and the show notes and we will catch you guys next week this episode was brought to you in part by the compelled podcast which uses gripping immersive storytelling to bring christian testimonies to life Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.